Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Gina Bianca podcast, where we talk about life, business, entrepreneurship, the beauty industry, and beyond. My name is Gina Bianca, life and business coach, salon owner, educator, mastermind mentor, and your host of the Gina Bianca podcast. pro tip with y'all you need to check out marlobeauty.com for your beauty supplies they have everything you could possibly need for your hair nail or spa business they ship right to your salon and trust me when i say that you're not going to find prices this low anywhere else if you're a licensed professional you can make a free account and start shopping in about five minutes Marlo Beauty Supply will never ever sell to your clients. They're pro only and totally dedicated to helping you build your business. Head to MarloBeauty.com today and start saving. Pros in the know, go to Marlo. There are so many coaches out there and there are so many people telling you how to make $100,000. I want to share with you that it's very important to look into who is teaching you because if they have not achieved what you want to achieve, you got to be really, really careful of the pipe dream that's promised. Over the last two years, me and my business partner, Olivia Thompson, also known as OMG Artistry, have created a course, a program, a lifestyle, a how-to guide for educators and influencers. This program is called Educate with Influence. It's a fantastic program that goes through the what, why, and how to become an educator in the beauty industry. We saw early on that there is a huge gap There's amazing educators where nobody knows who they are, and there's incredible influencers who don't know how to deliver a message. And in today's day and age, you need both skill sets. You need to be an incredible marketer if you want to be an educator, and you really need to be able to deliver a message and tell a story as an influencer. We've created this course to help bridge the gap. We want to help you on your journey of becoming an educator with influence. If you're interested in Educate with Influence, visit www.educatewithinfluence.com for more information about our program and how to sign up. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Gina Bianca podcast. We are here for another amazing episode of salon ownership unfiltered. I have to just say like these episodes have been so inspiring to me. I'm like fired up. I spent like the whole afternoon, like working on my business. I have like all of these like goals now after talking to these amazing salon owners. And I thought it was a pretty motivated person, but just surrounding yourself with so many amazing people, you know, they say proximity is power. And over the past month, I've been having these long conversations with other salon owners and I just feel so inspired. So I hope that if you've made it this far in the series, you're feeling the same way. You're a little fired up about your business. You feel, you know, like you're not alone and just more excited to work on your business. Uh, I hope you're feeling that too, because I definitely am. So 
I have another guest with me. She is amazing. I got to meet her earlier this year. Michelle Senor, a.k.a. Beauty by Michelle Senor <laughs> Savage, if I have ever met one. She is the creator of Six Figure Stylist. She has a gorgeous salon in Milwaukee called Ellen Co. I got to teach a class there. It was stunning. I would work there. Absolutely love connecting with Michelle. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me when you reached out. And especially with our topic today, I was going to throw everything aside to be here. So I'm honored and thanks for having me. I really appreciate your time. I know how busy it is. So I appreciate, I really, really, really appreciate you being a part of this, this little passion project. Thank you. 1000%. Let's do it. Awesome. So I've been starting every episode kind of asking, you know, for anyone who might not know you, any of my listeners who may um, not be following you yet, tell us a little bit about you, your salon, just a little bird's eye view of Michelle. All right, guys, Michelle Sonor. My salon is actually just outside of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So Midwest gal over here. And I started in this industry in 2011. So I worked at a salon as a front desk. And that was kind of in my journey to start cosmetology school. And as cheesy as it sounds, I've been really passionate and obsessed ever since. So I feel like the thing that I love so much is that I've been able to do what feels like a hundred different jobs within my career. And for a person like me, I totally need that. So getting into my journey a little bit, um, I started as a, at a commission salon, was there for about six years. I was a suite renter as well. So I was an independent stylist in a suite. And then I built out my salon, Ellen Co Salon, which again, was an honor to have Gina here teaching this year. And it was such an amazing event. And I have actually done both commission model and now rental model. So I started my salon as a commission salon, then went through a big transition to transition it to a rental salon. So I've got a lot of things under my belt when it comes to different journeys within this industry. Um, and then aside from that, as you mentioned as well, I have an education company as well. So I created a business event for hairstylists. It's mindset, lifestyle, all of that called Six Figure Stylist. And our next event is next June. I'm so excited for it. And I do independent education on the side um, of that as well. So a lot going on, just like just like you. And so um, that's a little bit about my history. Love it. Thank you so much. And I've been asking all the salon owners this question because everyone's answer is so different. It's so crazy. But do you have any like formal training? Like, did you go to college for this? Like what? I know you said you went to hair school, but did you do any like formal business training um, to prepare being a, to be a salon owner? Uh, no, I went directly to cosmetology school right out of, uh, high school. And I think for me, I think there's a, there was a lot of that. It just naturally inside of me, but I mean, definitely having mentors and taking classes along the way has, has really shaped me into who I am today and connecting with other leaders and like yourself, it's just, it's so important. And you just learn so much along the journey, but no business degree, no masters or anything like that. Just, I think I'm scrappy. So that's how I got here. No rich parents. No, very poor <laughs> alcoholism, light shut off, very, very humble upbringing. So sometimes I even have to pinch myself to be in my salon like I am right now because I look around and I go, whoa, <laughs> like that's so cool. I never would have imagined having anything that I have now. So I feel really, really blessed. 
Yeah. And your salon is super impressive. Like it's beautiful and you're really good at building a brand. Like you're just really awesome at that. It's like, I was wondering if you had any like schooling on that or you're just literally like working it as you go. I think working it as you go, if you go back in my branding, if you scroll through my Instagram, um, even go past the first year that I taught my six figure stylist event, it has changed so much. And I, to me, I feel like I learned the most by doing it myself first and then kind of outsourcing later on, because I just feel like I need to understand it to be able to teach it. And for me, I've switched it so many times and I finally feel like I'm at a great point in which I feel very confident in the, the brand vision and, and what elements need to go into it so that you recognize Michelle Sonor or Ellen Koslan when you look at it. So it's all just through literal trial and error. I cringe, like actually cringe at some of the things that I've posted, but I don't delete them because I'm like, that's all part of the journey, you know? Yeah. It's cool to see the progress too. It absolutely is. And I think it inspires other people as well, because when they see you now, they think, wow, you're so good at branding. You're so good at being recognizable. And then you go back and you're like, just kidding. (laughs) She started somewhere too. Her videos, her audio was terrible. Her lighting was terrible. Her colors were completely opposite, like blush pink and, and, you know, which is a beautiful color if that's what your branding is, but you know, it's just, it's been a journey and it feels really good because I feel like it feels like me. And I think when you just can feel from your gut that everything feels aligned, oh, it's like a beautiful place to be. Yeah. It's such a good feeling. Yeah. Your branding and everything is so beautiful. So amazing. Um, okay. Amazing. Thank you for answering those. And you shared that you went from commission to booth rental. So talk about your business model now. Like, why did you switch? Is it because of your education? Like what really pushed you in that direction? Or what did you like about commission? Not like that led you to booth rent? Yeah, it was definitely a tough decision because it wasn't just me. It was impacting other people on my team as well. So it took me a long time to really sit down with myself. And that was the first thing that I did was, does this align with me? The commission model, I originally started with that for a couple of reasons. I truthfully believe in the beauty of both. There there really is pros and cons and all the things. Um, I, I was nervous, which I think a lot of people are, about starting a salon and having my brand or my reputation kind of be ruined by being a rental. Cause when you envision sometimes a rental salon, you just think like random people coming in, paying money. You don't really think about still being able to have this cohesive culture. Um, at least when I opened up the salon. So I was, I was kind of worried about that. I would, I wanted this brand <laughs> and I didn't know that I could create that with a rental salon. I also really had a passion for, teaching and and taking these stylists and building them and growing them. And I wanted to spend my time there. And that was really before my education took off as well. So then I found though, that I was building people up so quickly that they felt like their next step was going to be a rental salon. So it was this huge exit, you know, you've got this full booming salon and then bam, you know, you're down to three people in there. Yes. Everybody, 5,000 square foot space. It's like, you know, silence. Right. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I like to always look at myself. Like, what did I do in that situation? What, you know, what was, what was going on? And did you do too good of a job getting people to you? Like, cause people like come to you cause they want to be you. And then you train really fucking good. And then they're like, I'm going to do this. And it's like, you almost do too good of a job. Yes. And that's exactly, I was like, I was like, this is not working like shit. I need to stop this right now. 
Like, but at the same time, I'm like, that's so cool that you're so successful in that short amount of time. So Mm -hmm. it it was, it was the industry changing, right? Like a lot of people, they want, they don't want to be in the commission environment because they feel like they want this freedom. Although I had a ton of freedom and it was kind of like a little bit of a rental model existence, but they want the freedom. They want to expand. It's the trend right now. I mean, if you look at statistics, I just did a poll on my story the other day, the amount of owners or renters that were hit the poll versus like a commission or an employee styles. It was crazy. Like it's just, it was kind of the trend. And I just was like, you know what, Michelle, you're shooting yourself in the foot a little bit by doing it this way. And it was the decision because of that, because I wanted to expand my time into my education that I decided that it was the right fit for me. And I think it's one thing to note is that it's okay to change your business model. Your business will change a million times over the course of you owning it. And I think that's where people get stuck is they don't realize that being a business owner, it's all about that. It's going to ebb, it's going to flow, it's going to shift, it's going to change. And if you can accept that, it makes everything else feel a little bit easier when something like that happens. Totally. Like for me, we were like twins. It was like the same thing. I was like training all these people, paying people to learn from me. And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. I want people to pay me to learn from me. (laughs) And like, obviously if you could build someone really, really quick and teach really, you have something to offer. So that's why your education business is probably doing so well because you're so good at, you know, building, growing and, and supporting people that way. So I totally get it. And, you know, for me in the beginning, when I closed my salon uh, and went and opened my booth rental, because I was going to have two, I was going to have, I didn't want it under one roof for some reason, because I had team-based pay. It was like a cult in there. It was very (laughs) Gina Bianca hair. We had a Paul Mitchell culture. It was very team oriented. We did client sharing. It was very two or three people working on a guest at once. I was like, rental won't fit here. I was like, it's going to be weird. So I opened another one and I was going to do two. And then I was just like, no, I ended up closing my salon and it took me years to grieve that Mm -hmm. because and and like really think about it because it was like a huge part of my life. I could never imagine closing it, Um, but I'm glad I did because it opened the door to so many new things and I could be like afraid of failure being like I'm a failure at this and still be doing that, Mm -hmm. you know, so a lot of people like if it's not working. I'm not telling everyone to just close, but like sometimes it's not working. Like the worst thing isn't closing and trying something new or or shifting gears or changing models. That's not the worst thing. The worst thing is living and being unhappy. Absolutely. And I I had to sit back and think to myself, like I, it was it was a thought just like that. I said, can I envision myself in Mequon, Wisconsin, twenty years from now? doing this? And the answer was no. I I almost like I sunk into like the couch and I was like, oh, like that makes me feel like I want to die. So I knew that that wasn't the right fit for me. And people get so nervous when like, I've gotten so many messages about my transition of salon, because I think a lot of people want to understand how I actually did that. And it's, it's like, yeah, it's like, you just gotta like, you just gotta go for it. Things things are meant to change. And if I, I'm so, I don't wish I had done it sooner. I got asked that question because I learned so much being a commission salon owner. And that was part of my journey. I definitely don't feel that way, but I'm so happy that I did because it just aligns better with where I'm at in life right now. And sometimes you're going to have a kid. Sometimes you're going to open a salon. Sometimes you're going to have to take a step back. Like that's just part of the game. Yeah, totally. How old are you? Can I ask that? 
31 as of September 4th. <laughs> okay. I'm 32. So we're the same age. So how long did you, how long did you own the commission salon? I opened in January of 2020 and it was January of this year that I transitioned. So not super long. So it's like three years. Mm -hmm. I feel like with mine, it was like my freaking business degree running yeah. that place. Like yeah. I learned more as a employee-based salon owner than I would ever learn in college. Mm -hmm. Like real life, freaking blood, sweat, and tears. Like it's such good experience. I would not have anything to share with people. I feel like if I didn't, if I didn't have that. So when people say like, do you wish you did it sooner? Blah, blah. blah. It's like every little thing, every little thing is part of the journey. I feel like I learned so much about communication. I feel like I learned people built respect for me as their leader. And it's really cool because still with even the new people that I hire on, it's like, they come to me when they like, you know, like little mama bear, right? Like they need support. They're like, Hey, how would you handle this business situation? I go, okay, what do you think you should do? So it's just, it's positioning leadership a little bit differently, but them always knowing that they like, that they're in a space in which they can collaborate with people and grow with people and have someone that's always going to kind of like be there for them is really nice. Cause I would have missed like I mean, I don't do as much as I do now, but like, I definitely would have missed that. So I would have mourned it a little bit. So I love it because it's also empowering them to make a decision the way that I'm leading now a little differently, you know, instead of it being Michelle Sonora's decision, it's like, what do you think you should do? Let me give you my professional opinion based off of my experience. And I yeah. would only love that through every journey I've been on. Yeah. I always say like with stuff like that too, it's like when you have employment base for women, let's say. I feel like I was more like their mom, mm -hmm. even though I was 23 when I opened, I had, did not know my ass from my elbow. I swear to God. I always say that I did not know anything. And I, I knew a lot. I was really good stylist. I knew how to build a brand. I, I knew that kind of stuff, but leadership being a boss. Are you kidding me? I had no idea. Um, I, but you know, as a salon owner with employees, I always felt like I was giving like mom energy. Like, t like you said, like it, Gina Bianca's decision, uh, you know, Michelle Sonora's decisions, like you're like overseeing and like mothering everybody. And then with booth rental, it's like big sister energy. It's a yeah. different vibe. It's just very, very different. And I thrive in that. And like, I don't go to them. I tell them like, you can come to me for anything. You can call me at any hour. I don't care. Like I'm here for you. Big sister energy. But I'm not going to go and like meddle in their business. So it's like nice. It's like attraction rather than, you know, you feel obligated. Yes. It's just a different energy. It's very, very different. And it does release this pressure off of you in, in a way. I wasn't really expecting that, but because you're responsible when you, and I still want everybody to be really successful, but let's say there's a cancellation and I was owning the salon, I'm commissioned salon. I'm like, oh dear God, I got to fill this spot for them. And you have this like urgency and you're just, you're, it's like a mom, right? You're worried about every single kid that's in your space. And then it's like, no, like this is like their responsibility. They're an adult now. I'm just a big sis that they can lean on. It's, it just released this this pressure that I didn't even fully realize was there. And that was, that was really nice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I feel like there's a time and a place too. Cause I like, like how you said from the beginning, there's, there's beauty in both models and every conversation I've been having on this podcast, I'm like, Oh, I want to open an employee-based salon right now. Like I miss taking them out of school mentoring. Like I miss 
those kinds of things. And like, I had Bridget as um, my mentee for a while, Alexandra as my mentee for a while. And like, I still got to do it, but just like one every few years. Mm -hmm. Um, Like there's certain things that it's like, there's a time and a place and like you as the leader, like, where are you? What season are you in, in your life where you can truly do a good job at that? And like, I feel like when I was really learning and doing all that, and when I was behind the chair, especially, I was such a good leader, like, for younger people, like I definitely mentored and brought people up and I'm proud of that. Right. But now I'm in my selfish era. Mm -hmm. I'm in my build, grind, grow era where I don't need to worry about those little things. I need to like, you know, filling an opening or stuff like that. I need to worry about the big picture and setting up a legacy for myself. Like it's very different. I'm ranting, but it's just different vibes. Yeah. Different vibes. You have different problems at different times. I completely agree with you. And I, I just, I guess anybody listening to this conversation that we're, we've been having, it's like, if you're feeling a certain way, there's a reason why you're feeling a certain way. So dig into that. And it's okay. If you have to make a change, it doesn't mean that you failed. It doesn't mean that you're less than like, I know a stylist who sold her salon, came to my six figure stylist event, actually redefined who she was, opened up a new salon, totally different, totally different vibe. And she's like thriving because she had to reevaluate where she was at. So sometimes you just need that. And that's what I did too. (laughs) Same. I love it. And you know, I think like the whole message is like, there's no shame in that. No. You got to do what's best for you. I know it's, and and the cool thing is, is there are a lot of possibilities in our industry and And a lot of time. Yeah. If you, if you manage it properly, you got a lot of pockets. Like we fit this in today. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. So we got the model. Um, what's the vibe like in there? I've been asking all the sloners, like, how would you describe the vibe of your place? Yes. So we are an open concept space. So we're not suites. We, uh, all coexist in, in one common space. So I always say the, the right person is someone that wants to work within a community of stylists and collaborate and, and all of that. So I would say, and I think this has to tie into being a commission salon before too, like you might walk into our space and not fully realize that we're independent contractors. You would think like the way that we operate as a team that we might be commissioned. Um, everybody is very helpful. They're very humble and they're eager and they're hardworking. So I feel like if I were to bring somebody in that wasn't, it could be really uncomfortable um, because we are so different as human beings. Like, like some of the interests and things we're into, like so different, but like our foundation for how we operate and do our work is really great work and really great customer service. And so those are the things that I look for that that's cohesive. And then if you want to do whatever, you know, in your free time, I don't really care. We're, you know, different people, but so, yeah, I would say it's very collaborative. It's very positive. We are very trendy for our area. So it's more of a destination spot versus like locals. Um, and I would say more like luxury services, but still like cool enough that you can sit with us. Everybody can sit with us, you know? (laughs) So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really, it's amazing. And it wasn't always amazing, but with hard work, here we are. Yeah. I love that. And the last episode I was doing with Matt Swinney, we were talking about culture a lot and like, you know, everyone can have their different, like everyone's different, right. But what's the common denominator 
that brings everyone together. And you just mentioned, you know, doing great work and great customer service. It's like, those are the common denominators within yours. Yes. Each person values how long I put into my interview process because they know the person next to them, unfortunately, is a representation of who they are. And they want to be in a space that they feel like proud of. And they feel that because we do, we client share all the time. Like I'll give my extension client for a move up to another girl. And I want to feel comfortable doing that. And one of the biggest compliments is like, I've been to three people in your space and everybody's been amazing. And so we really teach to having that. I mean, the same thing, showing up for work, looking great. Like we you know, get here early for our clients. So it's all these little things that just show professionalism as well. And those are the common denominators that I seek for. You can do vivids, you can do pixies, you can do bleach outs, balayage, I don't care, but it's the cohesive foundation of your services. Yeah. And professionalism. I love that. Love that. So uh, the next question was, what's your ideal employee like? And I think you just answered. Yeah, I, yeah. I've. I think I've done a lot. I think you have to do a lot of work into yourself to know who you work well with and who you don't work well with as, as well. And I learned that from being an employee based salon. It was like, I know I don't work well with X and I work really well with that. It doesn't mean they have to have everything I work well with. They're again, their own individual. And I think that's beautiful, but you just kind of know the type of people you can and cannot work with eventually. <laughs> you know, I understand that now more than ever. Yeah. You're yeah, like, I, I get mean, it this and this, and I can't stand that, that, and that. And it's only for the, the better for them and the better for you. Love that. So another question I have is, you know, you went from commission to booth rent mm-hmm. and, um, you're still behind the chair, right? Yes. Three days a week, three days a week. So my next question was like, what's your daily role as a salon owner? So you're behind the chair three days. Do you have yes. managers? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So we do have a salon manager. She is currently on maternity leave, um, but she's like transitioning back slowly right now. So she's doing some work from home. So I first gave her the things that I've hated doing for the last week. She's been gone, like inventory, the worst for me. So she's like able to do certain things from home, which does help me a ton. Being a rental salon, we can't have somebody in here full, like in this position right now, like have somebody full time. Cause we just, again, we're every hour of the day. We got people at 8 a.m., people at 8 p.m., but it's nice to have that support. So, but my role as the salon owner is still to make sure that one, as like a landlord, the space is functioning how it needs to. Um, anything that needs to get fixed, that's my job. Um, it's to make sure we have systems in place within the salon that we can work together, like our cleaning uh, chore chart I just posted about on Instagram. Um, making sure that everybody is feeling like everybody is doing their part. Um, I do make sure and manage, you know, the, that the retail's out, the back bar is stocked. And those are kind of what I do on Mondays and Wednesdays, which are my work from home days. So I divide it between working on the salon and working on my education on those days. And then I'm behind the chair three days a week. I have an assistant. So I train her up to then be a rental stylist at the salon. And so it's nice to still be offering a little bit of that mentorship, but then also to, um, not, not all of it. I guess. <laughs> so that's kind of my, my role. Love it. So 
we talked about like what your ideal employee looks like and you like kind of briefly touched on a little bit for this next question, but do you have any like pet peeves, like something that you just would not hire someone over or something that drives you nuts that you have to coach right away on it? Late, <laughs> slow. <laughs> I don't think your work is slow, but like, like, I don't like take your time. You're charging what you want, but like, I love like an action taker, I guess I should say. Sense of urgency. Yes. I'm like, oh, it's like, but I appreciate people that are the other way. But like for my assistant, for instance, like they have to have a sense of urgency. Like we operate like this. So it's different when I'm hiring a renter versus my assistant and they all have different qualities, but yeah. And then also I'm a big follow through gal. So like, if I tell you something, I expect you to follow through on it. So I have different employees, like some of them will just remember and tackle it. Or some of them, I know I have to be like, write this down because I'm going to tell you guys <laughs> that this is like, we have this photo shoot day and here's the date and here's the time and here's the location. And you can reference back to this, but I can no longer be mama and tell you and remind you 45 times that this is what we have going on. So I need them to like own and be like responsible for their like schedules, if that makes sense when it comes to like things like that. So yeah, I like have to coach everybody very differently, but I do a personality test with all of my teammates. And that really helps me understand like where their downfall could be that wouldn't work so good with me. And I just try to like kibosh it right away. Like one of my girls is like, I'm literally like Dory. She's like, I will forget everything that you say. I was like, cool. How are we going to fix that? We were like, we're going to write things down right away so that I remember it. And she does. And it's fine. But if I didn't know that about her, I would get extremely frustrated. <laughs> so that's something I know about myself. <laughs> Interesting. Now you also touched on, I feel like me and you are very fast talkers. <laughs> like we, yes. we like, like I'm looking at the time. I'm like, oh, wow. Cause I have only a few more questions left, but I wanted to dive deeper into if you're open to it, um, because you had mentioned that your team appreciates your interview process. Mm -hmm. Can you touch on that? Like you're interviewing renters. So right. what does that look like? How are you screening people and how are you making sure you're protecting your culture in the process? Like you're not just letting anyone in there. Yes. So I will say the downside to this is it definitely takes a lot of your time, but the upside is that you have better people that are a better fit for your salon and for a longer period of time, because you're really truly making sure that it feels great for them and, and a great fit for you. So it's not a revolving door. So the first thing that I have them do, it comes down to efficiency as well. Like we talked about is I have them just fill out this um, form that I have. Uh, and that's the first step. You kind of give me your basic information. Why do you want to work here? What are your references? Um, you know, what's your history? Have you been a stylist before? So it just answers basic things that I kind of need to know your Instagram handle, all that. So I can kind of dig, dig a little bit. Then if I feel like, oh yeah, go ahead. What if someone doesn't use Instagram or their profile, like they don't want to be on Instagram, would you still consider them? We're a pretty big, that's where we pretty much get most of our traffic from. If they, if they would have, like you would have to be in our salon stuff. It's just kind of the culture that we have, but I mean, if you were a hundred percent booked and didn't use Instagram and you were bringing in your full clientele, I mean, do you, I don't know how you have it. that flexibility, I have that flexibility. I would be shocked. Like to me, I'm like, what? Like, how do you not? But I mean, shoot, if you're doing something that's working, like you go. Um, <laughs> so 
we have, uh, I asked for that. I do ask for pictures of their work though, because I, if, if they don't do great work, I'm honestly not going to even consider them. So like, it's gotta, I mean, unless they're an assistant, I'm like, you've got room to grow, but I do make sure that again, it's at a, a specific level. So I evaluate their form super fast and easy. Then I reach out to them with a follow-up text and I schedule a 30 minute call. I'm like, this is just to go over logistics basics. Like I can give you my, you know, five minute spiel. You can give me yours. And it's, it's not to, it's just to not waste my time having to schedule an interview, come into the salon on one of my, you know, work from home days, and then you not show up or whatever the case may be. So I do 30 minutes and I can catch a vibe in 30 minutes for sure. If I feel like they're not a good fit, we just end it right there. Cool. We wasted 30 minutes of our time. Um, if I do feel like they're a good fit, then I have them come in and I do a salon tour. So I walk them around. Um, I typically introduce them to people. Everybody always knows when I have interviews happening. Um, and then I sit down in person with them and just chat for like 45 minutes. And it's, again, it's more finding those things that are important to me rather than like, like I'm, I'm just, I'm not like grilling them with like interview questions. Like I was grilled, I feel like for my first one, but I just want to get to know you. Like, can we coexist and be a great fit together? And you have to feel the same way about me. So I'm very open about like who I am, how I operate. Um, so yeah, we sit and spend 45 minutes. If that goes well, then they come in and do a shadow day. So I always tell them the worst thing that happens with a shadow day is you got to learn from me for free for, you know, six to eight hours. So we do a shadow day, but my goal with the shadow day is to really submerge them into the salon, talk to other people. All my stylists know, go up, talk to them, have conversations. Are they showing interest in getting to know people? Um, can I hang out with them for a full day and feel good about it? So then from there, we do a shadow day. And then the final step is a technical interview. So I have them come in and do a technical interview. And it is for me to kind of assess where they're at with their skills or consultation, all of that, um, to see if I feel like it aligns with the type of clients that we serve. And I feel like a lot of people come to me because they want to learn. And so if I feel like something needs help, I have had every, like if someone only does blondes, but they really want to learn how to do brunettes or whatever, I'll have them once they're hired, I'll have them shadow and I'll, I'll help, you know, teach them and, and bring them up to speed. And so I feel like most of them have been humble enough that are like, I want to learn. And if they are that way, I'm like, let's go. So that's the full interview process. And then I finally hire you. <laughs> wow. I bet your staff does appreciate that. They love it because they feel like they have somewhat of a say in it as well, even though ultimately like it's my decision, but they love that. Like they're, they'll come up to me and be like, I talked to her and she was really nice. And like, she talked about this and I really enjoyed it. And like, but they all had to go through that same thing. So they, and anybody that sees my interview process and thinks it's too extensive or too much, they're just not probably not going to be a good fit for me. So that's also okay for me. Yeah. I like that. Do you, what do you guys offer as a booth rental salon? Like what kind of amenities do you offer? Maybe there's someone who is listening, who wants to be a booth rental salon owner or who currently is a booth rental salon owner, and maybe they want to elevate, or maybe they're wondering if they're offering too much. What, um, what would you recommend or what are you able to give them? Yeah. So I provide, um, back bar. So shampoos, conditioners, and, um, styling products. So that's part of their rent. 
Um, they do get our website. So like salon marketing, all of that through our Instagram. So it's an easier place to build, um, for people because we already have that established. So that's something that we offer. We do have a cohesive booking system. Um, they have separate processing systems, but we're all on the same booking system so that we can toggle back and forth. Again, we refer clients back and forth all the time. I just booked someone an hour ago with one of my girls. Um, so we have a cohesive booking system. Uh, a lot of people love that we have parking. <laughs> they love that. Uh, I was just saying, I could never imagine working at a salon with like where you have to pay to park or no parking. Crazy. Right. And that was a huge, huge factor when I was finding my space. I was like, I will not do it. Especially when you're in for a four hour service, it's a two hour meter. Like you got to go run out. I was like, not for me. Um, (laughs) so I went, you know, 20 minutes outside of the city to avoid that, but we get people from all over and it's actually pretty central. So, um, and they, they always know that they can have my mentorship. They, we do photo shoots, uh, at least twice a year. Um, any, I always include one of my education for them. Um, and then typically when we have someone hosting, you know, they get a benefit for working at the salon as well. So they do get some educational opportunities, um, as well with that. So, and then, you know, salon management support. So those are some of our, I would say larger amenities. Um, we definitely have a big break room. They love that. (laughs) Um, Cause it's interesting going into other people's spaces and, and it's kind of like, wow, like I really appreciate that I have this break room with a window in it, like little things like that. So yeah, those are our amenities. It's all actually listed on our website too. So anybody who's listening, if they want to go to ellencosalon.com, like you can literally look at my interview process. Everything's very transparent. Here's what I offer. Here's what I don't. Here's my, so that when someone's coming to look at us, like it just wastes less time because it's just all out there for you to see. Love that. What's your rental rate? Um, so right now for a stylist, we're at 300 a week, um, full-time, full-time going up in 2024, everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot to offer. We offer so much here at the network and it's incredible. <laughs> and, and no, it's a, it's incredible. We offer so much and there's definitely a lot cheaper places around, but I've never been known for being cheap and I never want to be known for being cheap. Like yes. I've, I've been known for quality and like we offer so much quality and so much value for our people. And if you don't appreciate like the value or utilize what's offered, then it's probably not the right place for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I forgot so. our, our snack bar. That's a freaking fan favorite. Like it's a little big. I should probably have downsized the snack bar, but here we are today. And, um, but yeah, like the clients love that they come in and they get this experience. And I know that my renters know that their clients feel like they're in a good luxury taking care of space. And that's worth so much more money and the people that are around them, even just the energy that the space has, like it's, it's worth the extra 75, a hundred dollars a week that you're paying because it's going to elevate your experience. Yeah. And you can charge more when you work in a place that offers more. Absolutely. Whereas like I was listening to a podcast the other day and I was thinking about it and I was like, it was talking about like people being kind of fraudulent on Instagram. Like you're marketing that your services are a Louis Vuitton bag, but the space is like a target handbag or something like something along that. And I was like, you know, what's so true. Like it's so comforting to know that what they see online, they get when they come in versus it being like, like, that's gotta be hard when you're in a space that just doesn't match your service level. A hundred percent. It does cap you off. Mm-hmm. Like I would be nervous to charge more. Like I charge a pretty decent amount for this area. Like I've always been on the higher end and we're in a blue collar area, but I've always been on like, you know, the higher end of that. 
And like, I'm confident to charge because of the salon atmosphere around me. Like if I were in, I went to a suite one time and I, it's nothing against suites at all, but I went into a suite one time to get my hair done from one of my friends and like the air conditioner wasn't working. They had left the garbage in there overnight. It was such a small space. It was super like you couldn't breathe in there. And you had people like walking by, like coming in and interrupting. And I was just like, this is so, so weird. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so bizarre, like the experience, like, and this person like has a very like luxurious following and like they're marketing their services like that, but it didn't feel that way. So like, it is really important to think about that vibe. It does it match your aesthetic, right? Yeah. And I knew I wanted to do open concept because of my personal experience working in a suite. I, again, suites are great for the right type of person. Totally. But- I was just like missing the collaboration. I was missing the camaraderie. I was missing like that buzz that a salon has, the blow dryers, the chitter chatter, like the, I was just missing that so much. And I was like, this is why I'm sad. I'm in this dark room with no windows and I need like people around me that I want to be around me. And so that's why I chose to do the open concept thing. Same here. I I totally agree. I love the energy of a busy salon. I would never want to work in a tiny place that was like quiet. Yes. I would go nuts. That's just personal. Everyone has their own preference too, you know? So I think that's key to find what works best for you. Absolutely. Cool. So two rapid fire questions. Is your salon gratuity free? No. Cool. Um, I'm just asking everybody since there's all this. I love that question though, because I've been like, um, I've been watching so many videos on it and I'm like such an interesting concept, (laughs) but no, I think it's fucking dumb. Like free. Yeah. I think it's dumb. If I bring in a hundred K in services and get 18% gratuity, that's 18 grand. So are they like, they're putting it into their service price. Is that the yeah, they're not giving the client like they're not give like you can raise your price like 18 30 percent baby i'm gonna elevate that service <laughs> yeah but you could raise your price 18 percent and lose 18 percent of your clients market build up and then be in the same spot you're in true I agree it's just it's just interesting to me and i just don't understand why anyone would go gratuity free I get it if you don't want your guests to feel obligated to tip but the culture around tipping like for me, it's always been gratuities are appreciated, but never expected. And I always charge enough to like not be offended if someone doesn't tip me. Right. But and I, I like tipping personally, because I think for me, when I go somewhere and I have a great experience, I am going to tip them above 20%. And I love to have the ability to let them know how good that made me feel. So I personally actually really like tipping. (laughs) I do too. I think it's, I think it's crazy. And I've, like I told you earlier, I'm, I'm like eight episodes in to this series and no one is gratuity free, but you see it all over Instagram. Yeah. And it's like, am I doing something wrong? Should I go gratuity free? And it's like, people aren't doing that. I have been teaching my hairstylist hustle class. I taught, um, 15 classes so far. I asked the entire class who's gratuity free. Guess how many hands I got? Just one. Yeah. <laughs> Just wow. one. And she, and she does exclusively extensions and yeah. she's like, I just don't want my clients to worry about it. And I was like, that's amazing. That works for you. Great. I'm not shaming anyone, but I'm just wondering why it's such a big conversation when nobody's really doing it. And like, why, like, don't feel bad about not 
<laughs> like, like hairstylists, yes, we're professional service providers. There's no shame in accepting a gratuity. Yeah. We're not yeah. less than somebody because we accept gratuity. <laughs> it's so bizarre. There's always a trend somewhere, right? <laughs> so bizarre. I was talking to my it's class too. I love that. Yeah. I was talking to my friend. Well, I was in my class. I was like, if you bring in a hundred K and you get 18% gratuity, how much is that? And they're like 18 grand. I'm like, that's a down payment on a house. And someone's like mm, a car. And I was like, okay. Yeah. You're like kind of true. It's <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> facts. What are you driving? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I was that's like, what are you driving? Yeah. You're like, I'll take it. Thank you. Cool. Okay. So I just wanted to ask you that just to, you know, add to my questions that I've been asking every single one of you guys. Um, and the other thing is, how do you feel about recruiting and like poaching? Like, do you slide in DMs and like try to find people that way? Like, how do you find your renters? Is it all based on attraction? Are you like kind of scouting and like being more aggressive with it? Like, what is your thought on that? I've, I've never been a fan of poaching personally. Um, I, I make a lot of connections with Silas just through, hosting classes through teaching classes through. So to me, like I've just preferred more of an organic and I want them to want me. If that makes sense. Like, I'm like, I want you to want to be here. So I'm not saying I never have, like I'm renting out my boutique space and I reached out to a girl that I think is amazing and just let her know that I had this opportunity available. She's not renting anywhere else. So it wasn't really like poaching I per se, but um, I think letting, I think like just a more organic way of doing it is just making connections with stylists. Not like, hi, I have this salon. You should leave your salon, you know, cause you don't want to be, I don't want to be known as that personally. So to me, they've found me. Um, I'm trying to think if I had anyone that I No, they all found me, I guess. And it might be yeah. a slower process that way. I mean, it, part of me, the action taker in me is like, well, why not just go like, you know, but at the same time, you could, you could like think someone looks good on Instagram and then like reach out to them and they don't aren't actually that when you meet them in person. And then it's like, maybe not just kidding. Maybe I didn't want that. So I don't know. I just wanted them to want to be here. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Um, we like do so much education here that most of our renters have come from classes. Like they come take yes. a class or like referrals from our existing renters. And, you know, there's like, a few salons in my area that are pretty relentless and they'll like slide in DMS and be like, come here, it's cheaper. Or like, you know, like stuff like that. And like, I really try not to do that. I, I can't say I've never reached out to like personal friends. I mean like, Hey, if you ever want to change, hit me up. But like people I know, you know what I mean? Like personally, or be people who like have mentioned it to me or something like I'll, if someone mentions it to me, I will give them all the info that I can. But um, I try to be respectful of other salons in the area because I have such a good relationship with all the salon owners in the area. So I try to keep it chill. It almost seems like scarcity mindset or something when like if I were to receive a message like that, I'd kind of be like, Ooh, like, I don't know. I just try to think about like even like when I'm sending out a message about just like information about something that like somebody joined my wait list, they wanted the information. I'm even trying to still build a connection with them when I'm creating a conversation with them versus just like, here's my sales pitch, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I don't think, again, I don't think there's any right or wrong. Do you, do you think, but again, I don't want to be known as that in my area. So for me personally, it's a no. <laughs> yeah. We're working on, um, this huge marketing strategy. Cause we have so many chairs. So we have 30 chairs and we it's had two people. <laughs> yeah. We had two people go part-time and one person moved on and we haven't really been marketing. 
like we got like mad comfortable. And I was like thinking about, I was like, dang, I got really comfortable. And like, you know, more people could leave at any time. And I was like, we really need like a good marketing strategy to keep these chairs full. I saw your post. (laughs) Yeah. So like, but then again, I was like, you know, this isn't, you know, just constantly posting like chair rental, chair rental. Like, I don't want to do that either. So I came up with like this whole marketing strategy that I just was going over with my manager of like all of the amazing things that we offer and how can we put, how can we like talk about this, like what we offer and like more just like educate people on why it's crazy to work anywhere else. Right. Um, but it's like a consistent thing. You could be full and have six people walk out tomorrow. So it's like, you need to constantly be like showcasing your business and why you're amazing. Absolutely. I think we, I mean, I got to a point too with my salon. I was like, damn, we're booming. We can't get anybody in. Like, you know, so then you're like, ah, yes, I can take a tiny little backseat. And then you're like, psych. And then you're like, okay, back on it. So I do think it's like better to have that consistency. And like one of the funny ways that I thought about like, well, how can I show our salon? I mean, I did say, we have this suite for rent, you know, like that's cool and all to show it because nobody knows what it looks like. But I was like, I did like here are, would be my picks of snacks at my salon. So it kind of showed we our snacks. We were snack talking bar. about that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, that shows the environment. It shows what we offer versus it. Yeah. Just being like, you see the post that just says chair for rent over and over and over and over and over. It's like, it gets boring. It's, it's, it's hard to be creative all the time, but doing things like that, it's like, and, and every stylist shared it because they thought it was fun. And they were like, oh, this shows what my salon has. Like, this makes me look better. So thinking about it in that sense too. Yeah, I was just talking about that because we have the stylist snack bar. So the stylist can go back in the color store and it's like an impulse buy, right? It's like right next to the register. They can grab stuff. And I was like, we should go around and ask every stylist what their favorite thing in the snack barn is. Yes. And everyone should say sour Skittles because we always sell out of sour Skittles. Uh-huh. So we were talking about that. I was like, that's like a fun way instead of just keeping like as a booth rental salon owner, you have different problems, right? It's like you're not worried about filling your stylist books as much because most of them will come with a clientele, but you're worried about making sure you're occupied, right? It's a different I, different challenge, right? So it's not just all smooth sailing, right? It's different challenges. Such a unique amenity that a lot, I don't know any salon actually that offers. So, um, I think I would, I would just be curious. And I think a lot of salons, I mean, I know you've told me some good advice. You're like, do not offer this, Michelle, do not offer that. I'm like, yes, Gina. Um, (laughs) so, but it's like, it's just cool to know that that's an option for them. I know you guys have your store and, and all these different things. And I mean, there's so many education that people get within your salon. I mean, how many people come in there and are, are teaching classes? It's phenomenal. So we got to get show- you in here. Yeah. I'd love to be there. <laughs> we love it. I would absolutely die. That'd be amazing. <laughs> love it. But yeah, it's a, it's definitely a different model. I'm like, you know, I'm glad I did it. And I I'm sure that, you know, it'll always be challenging, but it's definitely just a different challenge. Like every part of, you know, business ownership. Heck Yeah. Love it. All right. So I have two final questions. So the first is for the stylist listening. So I'm sure we have stylists listening. Maybe some of them want to open a salon. Maybe they're just listening because they're bored. Um, but for those who have a goal of owning a salon or that may be on the horizon for them, what advice would you give them? Like, what advice do you wish that you got that big sister, like honest advice? What would you give them? I think a lot of people, including myself, they get into salon ownership and they think it's this glitz and this glamour and, and the money is there. And like, you, 
you know, it's this like ego thing, almost a little bit like I have this salon and there's just a lot of realities within it that you have to be really sharp to be profitable. Um, you have to, you're constantly a problem solver. You are now, yes, big sister or mom to all of these people. And so there is a lot of responsibility that comes with it that I don't think even I expected. Um, so I just think it's just to really understand your reason why you're opening. Like I had someone reach out to me that said, this is probably the wrong reason to open a salon, but I'm so mad at my salon owner and I, I don't like my salon. And I almost just want to prove to her that I can do it better. And I was like, that is not the reason to, to probably open a salon out of like anger. So many people do that. They do. And they are just like, I can do it better. And I have all these things. And it's like, until you're really in it, like there's so many situations where you have to look at yourself and be like humble enough to be like, okay, that maybe wasn't the best decision, but I'm willing to change it this way. Or like, it's, it's constant. And I have so many salon owner friends that reach out to me and there are a lot of silent struggles, you know, that you really have to deal with. So there are times that I joke around about like, I wish I wasn't, I, I wish I, I feel like I was meant for this role, but then sometimes I wish that that wasn't my God-given role, right? <laughs> like I'm like, eh, sometimes it'd just be nice to just be a stylist for the day, like, and just, just do, you know, one thing. So it really takes a lot and it's not for the faint of heart and, but it's such a rewarding thing at the same time. There's, I wouldn't take that away, but it's, it takes a lot. It's so crazy. Cause like I've done a lot of these interviews so far and so many say, start with why, like, why are you doing this mm-hmm. and make sure it's for the right reason. So if you're still riding strong on this series, I'm sure you've heard that trend and I could not agree more. Mm-hmm. The biggest yeah. reason I opened my salon in when I had my employee based salon was because I wanted to be like the mentor the person that like really guided people to success. And then when I opened my education business and I realized that I wasn't present enough to be that person anymore, that was really like I had lost my why. Mm -hmm. And once I realized why I truly started that business, the decision was very clear. I was like, I can't commit to this right now. Maybe someday I will, Mm -hmm. but the why is like the most important thing. So thank you for sharing that. The second question is for the salon owner listening. So the salon owner could be a new salon owner. They could be building a salon right now. They could be a salon owner for 20 years. What do you think every salon owner needs to realize today in this day and age? Like something they need to just know or realize like point blank. I think they need to know and realize that you're constantly going to have to shift, change and adapt. Like it's, it's what's what worked yesterday last year might not work the next year. So be open to change and open to the evolution of your business. Love that. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you for your time. Of course. Thank you for yours. I was like, can we just chat and like hang out and just like catch up? Like I love chatting with you and it's, it's been an honor to get to know you deeper over this last year. So thanks so much for having me on the podcast today. Yeah, my pleasure. And just let everyone know where to follow you um, so that they can follow along on your journey. 
Yeah, guys. So, I mean, I would say my biggest platform is Instagram. So at beauty by underscore Michelle Sonor from there, the link in my bio, you're able to access my website where you can check out my classes, my YouTube channels in there. My podcast, the limitless podcast um, is also linked in there. So that's kind of a one-stop shop to be able to find everything. Um, otherwise, michellesnor.com, baby. <laughs> So good. You guys follow her. She's one of my favorite, favorite people to follow along with. And I am just so happy for you and wish you absolutely nothing but the best. I am so grateful again for your time. Thank you everybody for listening. Be sure to share this series with a salon owner. I am trying to reach every possible salon owner that I can to give this free resource. So you get it for free. The fee is to share it with somebody else, please share it, write a review, leave a rating, follow Michelle. And, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening to Salon Ownership Unfiltered. This series has been so fun to record. I've learned so much from all of the amazing guests, and I'm so grateful that I'm able to provide this amazing free resource to all of you. It wouldn't be possible without all of my sponsors, my mastermind group, and Educate with Influence because those amazing people and businesses support this free education. So please check Check out all the sponsors. Visit ginabianca.com slash podcast to get all of the information and more resources attached to this episode. I would also love to encourage you to leave a rating and review if you're loving the podcast. All right, that's it. I'll talk to you guys soon and hope you have a wonderful day and I'll see you on the next one.